This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, your host. I am uh, flying solo this week. Miss E is uh, not here, as a matter of fact. She's at home. Actually, I'm not here, I suppose. I'm not really at the near frontier. It's just theater of the mind this week. Uh, I'm actually in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., not one of my favorite places to be, but, uh, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Uh, and I will be home again very soon and uh, looking forward to it. Although it is going to be a very busy weekend with uh, a lot of stuff to do around the farm. Uh, last weekend. Yeah. Sort of the same story. As a matter of fact, the hogs are finally in some, uh, new pasture. They are loving, the new pasture, I have to say, they uh, they ate down where they were uh, to the bone. So we knew that it was time to move them. In the meantime, um, we had sort of moved them back a little bit further than uh, than they normally were, and the grass uh, where they were last summer had grown up, and some of the weeds had grown up, and all of a sudden, our, our hogs. I think they thought they, that we had forgotten about them because um, you couldn't. We, they couldn't see the house anymore, and uh, and now they can, and so they uh, they can see the house once again, and they have their new favorite spot, which is uh, sort of close by the fence, and uh, where they can get a good look at what's going on in the yard and what's going on uh, in the uh, back of the house. So the pigs have their new temporary home uh, this weekend. It'll be the goats' turn. They have pretty much nibbled down all of the trees and all of the grass in the uh, grown overgrown area that we had put them in. So uh, we'll be moving them back to where we had them uh, about a year ago last summer, and it's a uh, it's a great spot. Lots of grass, uh, lots of trees. A couple of trees that I don't really want to see die, but I think they're going to die once the goats uh, get back in there again. There's this huge cypress tree. And goats love to eat bark. Uh, it's one of the favorite favorite foods uh, for a goat, and it doesn't matter. I mean, they'll they'll take the the little tiny scrub trees and they'll polish them off. They'll eat them down to nothing, which is great. But then you get a big tree, and they will start uh, just eating the bark off of the big trees. Some trees uh, are are hardier than others. The black walnuts seem to do okay, even after a goat has. Uh, nibbled away some of the bark of the trunk. Uh, locust trees also do extraordinarily well, even having some of their bark eaten off. But cypress trees do not do well at all. Like as soon as the bark gets exposed, part of the tree, it seems, starts to, to die. So we had this big cypress. Uh, last year, the goats managed to I guess what in the in the Billy Crystal Princess Bride vernacular uh, turn that tree mostly dead. It's not completely dead. There are some branches that are still green, but uh, a large part of that tree 
uh, has now given up the ghost. And I have a feeling that uh, in a couple of weeks, the goats will have finished the job uh, once we move them over. So uh, if anybody has any tips on how to spare some of these trees, I know that we could set up, you know, sort of additional fencing to keep them away from that particular tree. But I don't know that we're actually going to do that. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, we bring the tree down and we chop it up and we use it for the uh, the fire pit. Um, no shortage of dead trees and uh, a deadfall that we've been using in the fire pit. Although I have to say it has been a little warm for an evening fire, even at nine, 10 o'clock at night, still 80 degrees, uh, maybe, you know, upper seventies, really, really humid. Uh, we have not had a lot of rain and has been after a very wet spring, uh, and a pretty wet winter, it's been a fairly dry summer. Every now and then uh, in the afternoon, we'll get a stray shower or a stray storm that'll pop up. Sometimes the, the sky will get really dark, the winds will pick up, and then you'll have like a little spattering of rain, and then it all goes away. Or other times, you'll get just enough rain so that when the storm blows through and the sun comes back out, uh, it is even steamier than it was before, and it was not anything that uh, would cool you off and be refreshing. No, it's just more muggy awfulness. But it is July, and it is Virginia, and uh, I suppose we have to, you know, expect a little bit of that. So that's been the uh, the biggest uh, change on the forty acres. Um, I guess one of the other big changes uh, is if you follow me on Twitter at Cam Edwards. I'll be back at some point, um, but it's now been, I guess by the time you hear this, I may be back, but I have taken almost an entire week off of Twitter, and I have to tell you, uh, it's been really, really good. <laughs> I know that I've missed out on uh, calling people jackasses and getting in uh, uh, fights with people that I disagree with, and you know, I, yes, I have also missed out on genuine conversations uh, with people that I enjoy. Although I got to say, like I've actually had a lot of those genuine conversations with people that I enjoy talking to. Um, I, I just got to the point where, and I've talked about this a little bit on uh, NRA News Cam and Company, but it always just seems so narcissistic to talk about my feels uh, on uh, NRA News. So that's what this podcast is for: forty acres in a feels. Um, so anyway, I just got to the point where it just seemed so counterproductive. Uh, you know, we were watching the violence unfold in Dallas, Texas. Um, and just like after the attack in Orlando, we knew nothing about the victims. We had almost no facts to go on. Um, and yet we were already yelling at each other. We were already at each other's throats and it was so predictable because it's become part of the script that social media follows when one of these uh, events takes place and we learn about it. And I just, uh, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't think of um, 
a tweet that wouldn't be uh, wouldn't sound self-serving or wouldn't uh, again come across as look at me, look at me at a time of breaking news. And I realize that's kind of what Twitter is, right? It is the look at me machine. So I just decided I'm I'm I want to take a break. Uh, and I over the past couple of days I've thought about getting back on, but every time I would try to get back on Twitter, I'd go and okay, I should probably tweet a couple of things. I would go and I would see a story and it would just stop me. Uh, the first time it was the, uh, the Cleveland Browns running back who, um, had put up on his Instagram, a, uh, uh, an image of a police officer getting his throat cut. And when the uh, running back realized, Oh, people, this is going over. Well, maybe I should have thought about this before I, uh, ended up posting this, uh, took it down, apologized, right? Now he's giving up a, a week's salary and going to donate it to a, a law enforcement uh, group in the Dallas area. Um, and then I saw, I was getting, I was going to go back on and this was, this was the day of the, uh, the, the day that the guy, the, the inmate, uh, who was facing like 17 years in prison in Michigan, uh, grabbed a bailiff's gun, shot the bailiff, wounded another uh, civilian, and killed two more bailiffs before he was killed by law enforcement. And at at one point, all that we knew uh, is that a couple of, at that point I think it was being reported as, a, as at least two deputies had been shot in this courthouse. And again, that's all that we knew. We didn't know their names. We didn't even know if there were more victims. We didn't know anything about the suspect. We didn't know any of the circumstances. And that didn't matter. That didn't matter. Didn't matter to, uh, quote unquote, celebrities like Will Wheaton, who thought it was a perfectly appropriate thing to say, uh, bleep the NRA. It's oh, this is the NRA's fault. Uh, Shannon Watts of Moms Demand Action. Uh, decided to do roughly the same thing. This is the world that the NRA wants. And I thought, okay, so again, if I hop on Twitter right now, what am I want, What do I want to do? I want to go yell at Will Wheaton. I want to go yell at Shannon Watts. But what should I be doing? What should my priorities be right now? My priority should be to, to learn what's going on. To actually, you know, know about the, the to, 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 to watch the news about what's unfolding in Michigan. That's what I should be doing. But I don't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. So, ultimately, I, uh, I actually exhibited the self-control uh, to stay off of Twitter. And, uh, again, at some point I'm going to return. And it'll be some point very, very soon. But... I, I I do now know that I am absolutely um, I can't say I'm not interested in doing the typical Twitter arguing and the snarky comments, and I'm sure that it's going to happen sooner rather than later when I get back on uh, the uh, the app. But I I I don't want to stick to the script, uh, the 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 sort of unwritten rules that we're all supposed to follow. Uh, on Twitter. If you listen to NRA News Cam and Company, you may have heard me talk about my theory that 
we've got this media ecosystem now and it encompasses old media and new media and social media. And it is just a, it is an ecosystem that is built uh, and designed around uh, conflict and outrage and anger. And I, I kind of feel like uh, John Cusack and say anything. I, I don't want to buy or sell or process anything that is uh, built around conflict and outrage. I don't want to uh, be a part of that, that process, particularly again, when the argument seems so stupid and pointless, like we're not even arguing about the important stuff. If we're going to argue, can't we argue about stuff that matters? But it doesn't seem like we're uh, we're doing that these days much online. So that's why I've not been online much. But uh, I will be back. So you can follow me on Twitter at Cam Edwards at uh, on Instagram uh, at Cam Edwards as well. And uh, we're going to step away for just a moment or two. When we come back, we've got uh, a lot more to talk about. Uh, the email address, by the way, is Forty Acre Fool at gmail.com. Love hearing from you and your adventures wherever you are around the country. And uh, we will get to some of your thoughts later in this program as well. Stick around. We have a lot more NRA news. Oh, I knew I was going to do that. We have a lot more 40 acres and a fool. <clears throat> That's what I meant to say. From the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. 40 acres and a fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for tuning in here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Hope that you are having a good week and a uh, good summer. Hope that it's not too disgustingly hot and humid and muggy where you are. Speaking of, by the way, of the uh, weather, I did run across a story that I thought was pretty interesting uh, this week, it's from the website, hang on one second here, uh, spectrum.ieee.org, the uh, IEEE Spectrum, uh, Tecla Perry writing about a, a startup called Arable, uh, which she says uh, takes the Internet of Things into the wild. Uh, Tecla Perry writes, uh, last Wednesday I found myself hiking around in the hills above Silicon Valley, tramping down dried grasses and keeping an eye out for rattlesnakes, as warned. I was trailing Adam Wolf and Nona Chiarello as they hunted for a good spot in the Jasper Ridge Biological Preserve, 1,200 acres of redwood forest, grassland, chaparral, owned by Stanford University. Uh, The mission to find the perfect location in which to pound in a metal post and mount the latest gadget to join the Internet of Things. Uh, Pulse Pod, which was designed by Adam Wolf. So, Pulse Pod, uh, Perry says, is a puck like device about the diameter of a dessert plate packed with sensors and communications gear intended to watch plants grow as it simultaneously collects data about the environment around them. Um, 
the startup Arable intend to market the gadget as a $500 replacement for $10,000 weather stations with $5,000 net radiometers. They say they expect the first users will be agricultural researchers and specialty crop farmers eager to monitor microclimates and plant growth in order to predict both long-term effects of the environment on plants and to make short-term decisions like when to water and when to harvest. The uh, PulsePod's electronics, she writes, uh, include sensors that monitor six spectral bands in the visible and near-infrared light frequencies. These determine how much plant material is in an area, uh, as well as measure the uptake of chlorophyll and track moisture in both plants and in the air. Tucked inside the puck, Perry says, under an array of surface-mounted solar cells are basic weather station sensors that measure humidity, barometric pressure, temperature of both the foliage itself and the surrounding air. A net radiometer determines how much short and long-wave radiation is coming down from the sun and how much is being reflected and radiated back. And an acoustic rain gauge of the company's own design analyzes the sound of drops hitting the puck's plastic top to determine the size and number of raindrops falling. That's pretty cool. Um, it has Bluetooth for checking functions on the spot, as well as cellular and Wi-Fi radios for streaming data remotely, and a, a tilt sensor to allow algorithms to correct for the device's orientation and or send an alert if the device gets knocked over. There's a GPS receiver that enables the streaming data to be automatically tagged with location information, and an auxiliary jack allows cameras or other upgrades to be added in the future. Uh, Wolf says, I claim that there is no Internet of Things device that measures more data streams than this. He says, it's crazy to say, and I'm willing to be proved wrong, but I haven't met any device that tries to synthesize so much. So, is this something that you would use? I'm, I'm curious. I mean, you know, granted, it's 500 bucks, but does this sound useful to you? Uh, Adam Wolf. Uh, started getting involved in technology, according to uh, this writer. Uh, in the early 2000s, he was doing fieldwork in Kazakhstan as part of his graduate research, and he uh, realized that the weather stations that he was setting up um, weren't really helpful. He says that they were limited in function, they were expensive, they were hard to install, they were unlikely to be clustered closely. Uh, he looked at satellite data, but he said that was too noisy to be very useful, so he began studying and using numerical simulations to try to better assimilate data. The uh, satellite data, he said, eventually uh, he decided it would never be good enough uh, alone to allow him to forecast plant growth at a particular point in the globe. That's when he started wiring together sensors and circuit boards to build a gadget that could do detailed monitoring of a particular spot of uh, vegetation. It's it's pretty neat. He says when he started doing this stuff and he got a grant uh, from the uh, National Science Foundation to do real-time drought monitoring and crop forecasting in uh, East Africa. Um, and this started getting people's attention. And so uh, he said he heard from startups, government water districts, insurance companies from around the world uh, asking, okay, how do we get one of these things? He said it was an oblique moment. He said, I was going to have to make hundreds of these things. At this point, he's still an academic, uh, and he said, okay, I, you know, it's time for me to start a, a company. So uh, 2014, he started Arable uh, with uh, two other individuals. They uh, stopped using National Science Foundation grants in 2015, apparently, and now they are using an uh, angel investment from a former investment banker turned hay farmer. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, so would you use... Something like this. I, you know, I'm not the person to ask, honestly. I uh, 
could use some sort of, you know, robotic hoe and, and weeder at this point, uh, more than anything for my rather, uh, sad little garden this year. Uh, but I, I am curious for those who are, um, more productive than I have been, uh, in the uh, garden this year. Is this something, is this just like, is, is this like a high tech toy? Uh, or is this something that would be useful for you? I'm trying to figure out where the, the line, uh, the dividing line falls, I guess. Um, so water districts are interested in it. Insurance companies uh, appear to be interested in it. Uh, they're trying to market this to specialty farmers, but, um, uh, is this even of interest uh, to farmers? It seems to be like a, you know, a five hundred dollar piece of equipment. When you compare that to like, let's say, a hundred thousand uh, dollar combine or a you know sixty thousand dollar tractor, then maybe that is a, a little bit lower of an investment if you get a lot of data uh, out of it and it can help you with your your yields, but. I don't know. Glenn Reynolds, the uh, Instapundit, I, that's where I, I found this link. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm still not sold on the Internet of Things. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I too, I have to say, am not really sold yet uh, on the Internet of Things. Some of the uh, Internet of Things devices just kind of leave me cold. Uh, the, uh, the, the Amazon speaker that listens to you uh, and will respond to you so you can say its name and give it a direction and it'll, you know, play the song that you want or whatever. I don't see any need for that. The, um, refrigerator that you has cameras on the inside. So you can be at the grocery store and say, Oh, I wonder if we need something. Let me just check the inside of the refrigerator from the grocery store. I don't, I don't see the need for that. Not, not to actually like spend money on that. Uh, you know, thermostats that can listen to you. I, I, I can, I can get up and walk across the room and change the thermostat. I mean, I don't, it, it's, it, it, there are lots of things that we have that we don't need. The, it seems to be like the art of marketing is convincing people that they, they should own a product that they don't need. Right. Well, you really, really should own this refrigerator. I mean, you never know when you're going to be at the grocery store and you're not going to remember why you went to the store. So you got to look at the inside of the fridge, but then you'd have to drive all the way back. I don't know. These, a lot of these devices, they just seem interesting. Um, they, they, they maybe even clever, but they don't seem useful enough for me to want to become uh, an adapter. So I probably won't be buying the, uh, the arable $500 microclimate weather station data device, but uh, I am curious if you think it has a, uh, a legit application for small farmers and homesteaders out there. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two. Uh, maybe talk to, I don't know, talk to your toaster. Uh, for a minute or two, if you've got a, a Internet of Things toaster, uh, maybe pop a Pop-Tart if you don't. And uh, snack on that. We'll be back in just a moment here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, I hope you had a good conversation with the toaster. Thanks for listening here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Um, the one thing that we have had in our garden this year are cucumbers. And we've got a pretty good crop of cucumbers going. We had a good crop of beets, and then the rabbits came in. and We'll get some carrots, um, but they're not. They didn't turn out great. And then the uh, the the beans were doing fantastic, and then they too started getting uh, eaten by the rabbits. What happens is we need to start eating rabbit around my house. But um, they've been a little bit sneakier uh, over the past couple of weeks than they have been had been uh, earlier in the summer. So they're not uh, they're not hanging out all damn day in the garden, which they used to do. I'd go down to show the chickens at night, and invariably their rabbit or two would just pop, 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 pop off into the uh, woods. Haven't actually seen them down there, maybe because they've eaten almost everything they want to eat. Now that I think about it, that might be why they have uh, moved on to another location. Uh, but the, uh, the cucumbers are doing fantastic. Next week, I'm going to have uh, a Missy give you a recipe for a, a cucumber tomato salad that we had this week and it was awesome and when it's 90 something degrees and it's just gross out that's when you really want to have just I, for me anyway I don't want to have hot food I don't want to I don't want to burgers are one thing on the grill but uh, but I don't I don't want a meatloaf when it's 90 degrees I don't I don't want you you don't want stew when it's like 95 you want a nice cool crisp something or other. Uh, so this, uh, uh, tomato and cucumber salad was fantastic. So, uh, now you have a reason to listen next week as well. And still, still to come on uh, this week's 40 acres in a full, we're going to get to a couple of your emails uh, from around the country. The email address as always is four zero acre fool at gmail.com four zero acre fool at gmail.com. And it's been a while, you know, since I've given you any book recommendations. Uh, that's going to change. <laughs> because one of the things that I discovered when I decided to stay away from Twitter for a few days, uh, it was actually intentional. I, I wanted to read. I wanted to, uh, I actually wanted to read about criminal justice. And I didn't really know where to start. I had, uh, and, and, I, and I recommend this book all the time. On NRA News Cam and Company because it's it's really truly interesting. It's by David Kennedy. It's called Don't Shoot, uh, and there's a like every book now. There's a really long subtitle, um, but if you just look up David Kennedy, Don't Shoot, you'll be able to find the book. He's now at John Jay uh, College of Criminal Justice, but uh, back in the early '90s, he was involved in the ceasefire program in Boston, Massachusetts, which. I was able to help lower the youth homicide rate by like 63%. And they didn't, they didn't try to pass any gun control laws. Uh, it wasn't about passing another law that was aimed at the law-abiding gun owner, obviously, right? Because it, it worked to bring down homicides, unlike uh, gun control laws. This program um, 
first of all, identified the most violent gangs uh, in Boston and the most violent individuals who belong to these gangs in Boston. And they decided, okay, well, we're going to pick the worst of the bunch uh, and we're going to bring them in and we're going to sit them down and we're going to talk to them. Uh, now, the we in this case was uh, law enforcement, everybody from the, uh, the, the police chiefs to uh, beat cops to the DA to the U.S. attorney. I think they might have even had DEA and ATF there. And then on the other hand, you had the community. You had friends. You had family. You had principals and pastors and business owners who um, told these young men, you know what, we, we love you. We don't want to see you kill each other. We don't want to see you kill yourselves. We want to help you. There's another way. you got to stop shooting each other. And if you stop shooting each other, we're going to help you. We're going we're gonna to help you get your GED if you need your GED. We're going to help you find a job if you want a job. We're going to help you get job training. We will help you because we love you. But we also love everybody else in this community. And if you don't want our help, if you reject our help, if you reject our demand to stop shooting each other and you keep doing it, then the hammer's going to fall. And it's going to come down on you, and it's going to come down on all of your associates and the law enforcement that are up here. They're, they're going to prosecute you, and we're going to help them. It's not going to be snitching on you, because we're telling you right now, we're fed up with what you're doing. Uh, there's a lot more to this, obviously, but that's the basic gist of the idea. And it, and it works. Uh, when it's able to be implemented, it actually works to reduce violent crime. Unlike, again, a gun control law aimed at law-abiding gun owners. Um, so, Don't Shoot, I read. I also read a book uh, called Ghetto Side by Julie Ovi, who is a uh, uh, reporter for the LA Times. And she basically embedded herself uh, in one of the homicide units there in the LAPD for over a year and ends up following the murder uh, and the investigation of the uh, death of a son uh, of an LAPD detective. And, again, just a a really fascinating, in-depth look at the criminal justice system, starting from, again, the time that the crime is committed, on through the investigation, into the prosecution. And one of the homicide detectives that she follows, the lead detective on this case, has this theory. And it's almost the reverse broken windows theory. Um, you know, broken windows, uh, says, okay, if you, if you focus on the minor crimes and you try to stop the minor crimes, then, uh, the major crimes won't take place. If, if you don't tolerate, uh, public urination, uh, the girls are going to know you're not going to tolerate murder or assault or, or things like that. And, you know, while the broken windows policies were put in place, they they uh, they were you know they've been credited for uh, reducing New York's homicide rate and violent crime rate. Um, they have been put in place in cities across the country, and we've seen violent crime drop. But we've also seen those complaints again of people who live in these violent neighborhoods saying, "Hey, I don't like being treated like a criminal. I feel like I'm being harassed. I feel like." You all are coming in here and you're focusing on these low-level offenses. And I'm not worried about people spitting on the sidewalk. I'm not worried about people peeing in an alley. I'm worried about my kids getting shot. 
I'm worried about being carjacked in my driveway. I'm worried about these major crimes. So this detective, uh, Detective Skaggs, um, in uh, Giulioni's ghetto side, says, well, what happens if we focused on solving homicides? What would happen if we focused on solving homicides? And that was our biggest priority. So rather than focus on the small stuff, we focus on the big stuff. Uh, at the time, I think the homicide clearance rate for uh, this division in uh, Los Angeles, I think it was the South Central Division, but I think the homicide clearance rate, meaning an arrest had been made, uh, and, and I think in L.A. it just means that an arrest has been made. The case is, at that point, cleared. You found your suspect, you made an arrest. What happens after that isn't up to you and law enforcement or you and the police department. It's up to uh, the prosecutors and law enforcement and the criminal justice system. 19% clearance rate, meaning four out of five homicides were going unsolved. And Giulioni writes about these homicide detectives going to these crime scenes and being told time and again by people who lived in these communities, you don't care. Why are you even out here? You, you, don't, you don't care about this kid who got killed. You don't care about this young man. You're just out here to gonna fill out the paperwork and then you're going to go away. And for these homicide detectives, uh, that's the the furthest thing from the truth, at least for uh, uh, a lot of the ones that are mentioned in this book. Certainly that seemed to be the case for Detective Skaggs, who uh, want, has, again, this idea that, you know, look, if we are out there and we're solving these most serious crimes, we're telling the community, you know what, we do care. We do care who dies. We don't want to see these homicides take place. And we're going to bring killers to justice. Also, because we're actually investigating and because we're going to solve this case and because someone is going to get arrested, you don't need to go out and retaliate. You don't need to start a gang war or continue a gang war because somebody got shot. You can let us do our job as law enforcement and we will make sure that justice is served. It's a, um, it, it's a compelling argument. Um, particularly when you combine it with the argument that David Kennedy makes, which is let's focus on the worst of the worst offenders. So if you put those two things together and you're focusing on the worst of the worst offenders and you're focusing on the worst of the worst crimes, what happens when those are your priorities for law enforcement? What happens if those are the priorities, not just for law enforcement, but for the politicians who set policy for law enforcement, whether it's a mayor or city council or a congress or a president, what happens if the focus isn't on, let's say, legal gun owners? The focus isn't on people who are committing misdemeanors, whether it's you know misdemeanor traffic offense or uh, you know again public urination, selling uh, CDs or loose cigarettes without a license. What happens if the focus is on people who are killing each other and bringing those killers to justice and finding justice for those victims? I'm, I'm, I think I know what happens, but uh, it's interesting to note that there doesn't seem to be a, uh, a, a lot of concern uh, in our media or among uh, even the Obama administration 
um, to try to do something, to think outside of the box, just to, to recognize, all right, look, you know what? We, we don't agree on gun control. We're not going to get anything passed. But we can do something. We could probably come together. We could probably agree on, on something like this. So let's do something like this because we know that it works. You did the, the, uh, the, there's, there's not a lot of division along the uh, standard partisan lines. Let's try to get something like this. But we haven't seen that. We see the opposite. We've seen the president say, you know what? I'm going to talk about gun control. I'm going to talk about it at memorial services. Uh, I'm going to have uh, Loretta Lynch talk about it whenever uh, she can. We're going to go ahead and make this about gun control. And I'm telling you, you know, if you listen to NRA News Cam and come on a regular basis, you know, um, I, I don't think additional gun control laws are, are really the way to go. I do know that there are other ways to approach public safety that actually deal with public safety uh, rather than um, go after guns under the guise of public safety. But I just can't figure out, although I have my suspicions, I do have to say, I can't figure out why this administration and why the media uh, aren't pushing to, uh, to find this common ground. But again, it just seems like uh, you got too many politicians, you got too many pundits who who want to revel uh, in our conflict rather than trying to find some commonality. All right, we're going to step away for a moment or two. Uh, when we come back here on this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network, we've got a couple of your emails to get to. 40acrefool at gmail.com. That's the email address. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. You were the wrong caller. You're right, Andy. He had it coming. See, he it did. Probably, it was probably like a Christmas present from his grandma, and his mom kept on saying, you got to wear that. Wear the red sweater. Grandma, grandma gave, it, gave to it, you. it to you. She doesn't have Mom, you don't understand. I can't wear the... Put the re- on the red sweater now, okay? You don't, okay, fine. I'll wear the... Is that what you want? Bang, bang, bang. Mom, why? The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, that's what I thought, too. All right, sorry, welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool. Sorry, just having a uh, conversation with the mini-fridge uh, here in my uh, motel room, A an Internet of Thing. Actually, I don't even know if it's connected to the Internet, but uh, it's a pretty good conversationalist, I have to say. All right, uh, the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. And uh, we've heard from Jeff, who uh, wrote in, says, uh, as soon as I can find the email, there we go. Jeff, just wanted to, says, uh, Cam, just wanted to give you a shout out. I love the podcast, one of the best on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for that, Jeff. Uh, That is uh, high praise because there are a lot of great programs here on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, Jeff says, I hope your tomatoes are actually growing. Hmm. Yeah, funny thing about that. Um, Well, how do I put it? Uh, The tomatoes that we had planted aren't doing so well because they never made it into the ground. But uh, we do have some volunteers in the garden which are doing quite well 
Uh, I, I think I've just decided next year I'm just going to plant tomato seeds directly in old pig poop because uh, that's where these volunteers are growing. And I got to tell you, Jeff, they are doing the volunteer tomato plants. They're doing fantastic. The volunteer sunflowers that uh, popped up are doing great. Uh, it was weird is that we so some of the volunteers that we had last year, we had this jelly melon kawani. I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, a vine that started growing up near the house. We had fed the chickens some uh, mushy jelly melon kawanis the year before, and all of a sudden, bloop, 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 we get these fruits popping up in this vine. Um, I figured that, we, that it would come back this year just because of more seeds, but that hasn't returned. I have... Not seen, I think we might have had like one or two volunteer tomato plants actually in the garden area. Uh, but short of that, even the volunteers haven't been showing up this year, Jeff. Uh, Jeff says, here in central New York, our smaller than 40 acres garden has been suffering with a lack of rain. We are well dependent and we can't get use from our rain barrels. I'm glad to hear that Miss E is better. Waiting for a new podcast, says uh, Jeff in uh, central New York. Well, Jeff, hopefully the rain is going to cooperate and uh, you'll be able to. Uh, actually, you know, get a good drenching for your garden. Yeah, being being dependent on Mother Nature is a um, it's a lot different than having access to a hose or a, a rain barrel. Uh, you know, our garden area, we're actually able to use a hose. We're able to use our well water, so we're able to water our plants um, at, at least. Although we uh, uh, try not to overwater them. Um, but so far, at least, uh, from what I've seen, on my way up from Farmville to the D.C. area today, I uh, drove by, you know, I was in rural Virginia for uh, several hours uh, during that drive. And most of what I saw, Jeff, uh, the corn all looked pretty good. The, the soybeans all looked pretty good that I saw. Um, the, the the hay, you know, the, the various grasses that are growing and the folks are, you know, then uh, bailing it up. Um, everything looks pretty green down here. Like I said, we've, we've not had a ton of rain, but we're getting like spotty showers and spotty rain and it has been incredibly humid. So, uh, you know, you got a, at least a fair amount of dew at night, uh, and, and, and in the morning, but I hope that, uh, I hope you get some rain your way. And I would love to hear, uh, more about your less than 40 acres there in central New York. Uh, that is a, I got to tell you, and you know this as well as I do, Jeff, New York has some awful laws and it has some beautiful country, just absolutely gorgeous. I was up in Wallkill a couple of years ago for the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association annual meeting, and then went up to Poughkeepsie last year uh, for the annual meeting. And I know that I haven't even gotten to, you know, upstate, upstate New York, uh, but the parts that I have been in outside of New York City, just absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, the rolling hills and the uh, green fields, and it's it's not, it, it's it's similar, kind of reminds me a little bit of Virginia in the topography. Um, the architecture, obviously, a lot different. Uh, you can you can tell that uh, you're, you're not in, you know, the mid-Atlantic, you're not in uh, Virginia, but it's just beautiful up there. So you are a uh, a lucky man. Let's just hope that we can make the laws there in the Empire State a little bit better. 
All right, we're going to uh, wrap things up here. I just noticed what time it is, and I'm going to be up here in a few hours and make my way back to uh, the 40 acres into Farmville, Virginia, for our NRA News Cam and Company uh, show. But thank you again for tuning in. I apologize that we were a little late with the last podcast, but we're going to stay on schedule as best we can. Thank you again for listening, uh, and I hope that we hear from you soon. Until then, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. Stay off of Twitter. <laughs> Maybe I'll add that in as well. And don't talk to your appliances. And have a great week. And we'll see you here soon with another 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.